Welcome back to the United Pubcast. You're with Larry and Tom as always. But unfortunately, Tom, I feel like I sound like a broken record and you could probably just put rinse and repeat from the last few podcasts. Not the greatest game of football, not the greatest result Manchester United were looking for. It's a draw against the lowly West Bromwich Albion, arguably the worst side in the Premier League, or one of at least, conceded the most goals this season. So you thought, all right, United scored the most goals, surely we're going to smash them. Didn't pan out that way. It's almost your typical Monday morning supporting Man United. You wake up and you think, why on earth do I do that to myself this early on a Monday morning? So... um you say they're, they're the worst team. I'm not sure, but I think Sheffield United sort of had that case a couple of weeks ago and we failed to beat them. So I think we'd rather be playing Liverpool each week than the teams at the bottom. Feels like it. And on that, let's go straight into the goals. Um, United conceding very early on in the match. Um, Victor Lindelof getting dominated in the air. I could have seen that coming because it's a, it's a big Sam team. You know they're going to be full of six foot five blockheads who go to just put the ball in the box and hope for the best. And Lindelof gets bullied again. Um, Is there too much to break down in this, or is it simply a case of Lindelof just not being strong enough to compete? Well, you can say bullied, and I know we're going to get into the defending because it's a a huge part of the game in in terms of this podcast. You can say he's bullied, and yes, initially I think Lindelof can do better in terms of attacking the ball, which sort of changes the outcome of sort of how that situation plays out. The fact is it's a foul. I know it, it might look soft because we're looking for someone, we're looking for our defenders to do better. But the fact is he gets elbowed in the back of the head, his arm gets pulled, he gets a hand in the face, which is an automatic foul. It's a foul. How many times does Harry Maguire get fouled for that during a game? Probably six, seven times. And look, it's not an excuse for the performance. We should do better. We have 90 minutes to go and win the game. Definitely not an excuse. But the fact is it's a foul. And if it is the right decision and it's given a foul, we're not talking about that as an issue. Is there not an argument to say, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, if Lindelof actually jumps and competes for the ball, that that doesn't happen? I don't think there's any intent from the West Brom player. Well, that's what I think. I think the initial intent from Lindelof, if he goes and attacks the ball a little bit stronger, I don't think he gets himself in that position of being sort of held by the defender. But the fact is he doesn't, but the foul then does occur. And again, I don't want to make it sound like a huge excuse, but it shouldn't be a goal. But yes, Lindelof while was fouled, should be doing better as well. Absolutely. But what was a banging goal was Bruno Fernandes. Uh, Luke Shaw with the cross in, um, and again on the edge of half-time. United make a habit of scoring around this time, but nonetheless, a cross into the Portuguese, not much happening for United, and what a finish on the volley. Bruno Fernandes, I dare say pro-clubs-esque. Look, I don't know how much you can really... Look, I think there's an element of luck in it, but nonetheless, brilliant finish. I wouldn't say luck. I think it's just more it's the awkwardness of sort of hitting a volley from that angle on your weaker foot. Sometimes it just looks a little bit awkward. I remember the one, it's definitely not as good, but the obviously comparisons have been made to Zidane against Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League final. And obviously the Zidane goal was a, was a lot better, but it did have that feel. And um, I think, again, it just summed up. You, you thought that goal from Bruno would go on and it would spark this comeback, which we've seen sort of countless times this season, especially away from home. And it just didn't happen. But in regards to the goal and Bruno himself, it was typical Bruno because while he definitely wasn't the worst on the field in the first half, it was a typical Bruno performance. I was thinking, could he could he find a West Brom play any more times if he tried? And then um, obviously <laughs> pops up with the important goal. So look, we'll get into the other performances and I don't think Bruno was as bad as other players. But yeah, typical Bruno. And it's a fantastic goal and I just feel bad for him because that's a great goal. 
the goal against Everton last week, what a great goal. And these goals are just going to be forgotten about because you don't get the win. Unfortunately so. Um, so, Tom, let's rip in a little bit and break the, break the game down. Uh, Lord knows there wasn't too much in terms of chances to really go into. But let's talk about the defence a little bit. United have now conceded something like 29 goals this season, which is a ridiculously high amount. Definitely not Premiership winning style defence. What do you think is the fundamental issue here? Um, because if I look at it, and I'll put it to you, is to me, United compared to last season look like they're trying to be more of a front foot team as opposed to a counter-attacking side, which Duncan Castles has criticised Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for on occasion after occasion. So because we're trying to take that front foot, I think that the partnership of Maguire-Lindelof actually gets exposed because Maguire's not the quickest, which means he needs pace behind him. Lindelof isn't the quickest, but technically sounds on the ground in saying that he's fragile in the air. So do you think that that partnership is just being exposed simply for the style of football that United now play, or do you think there's more to it than that? Well, you can break it down in numerous different ways of whether it's a partnership thing, whether it's an individual thing. For me, look, it's a t- we always talk about football, it's a team game, there's no I in team. But what makes a team? A bunch of individuals. So all the individuals need to take responsibility. And I just look at Harry Maguire and Lindelof, and yes, there are sort of tactical differences when we play Eric Bay with Maguire as opposed to Lindelof. There definitely is no hiding from that. But I always look back and you look at the best teams in the league. The, the best team in the league will always have the best players or the players performing at the highest level. Last year, Liverpool's front three were performing better than anyone and their back four was performing better than anyone. So they were the best team. They won the league. City this year had the best defence because they had the best defenders. John Stones is playing well. Ruben Diaz is playing very well on the back four and goalkeeper aren't making any mistakes, which we've seen Liverpool make mistakes constantly. That's why they're not the best team in the league anymore. And when I look at Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire, I just unfortunately compare it to Man City and say, well, they're not as good. We need better players individually to benefit the team. And when you don't have the best players in the league, and I'm not saying we have a right to have the best player in every single position, but when you don't have the best players you're going to make mistakes. And constantly we are making mistakes and ultimately that will cost us. Now, what define what costs us? Because I think it's still amazing we're still in second position. So I think we're having a very good season. But ultimately our goal, whether it's achievable this season or not, was to win the league. We're failing at that because we don't have the quality of players we need. That's up front, that's at the back, that's in midfield. Some would question that's in goal. It's across the board, and that comes down to... It's not a problem for Solskjaer for me. It comes down to the lack of investment or lack of... Maybe not investment, the lack of football structure in place over the last 10 years will ultimately see yourself fall short when you see a team like Manchester City get it completely spot-on off the pitch, which results on which sort of, sort of results in winning on the pitch. Yeah, have to agree there, mate. And like you say, fundamentally, the issue is the players simply aren't good enough. But I guess it is a reminder to all of us when we were getting a bit excited. And look, admittedly, we took the piss a little bit to say United are in a title challenge, 21 is coming. But I think we all knew that this sort of form is the reason why, in fact, we aren't going to challenge for the league. You know, the fact that Manchester City can go to Liverpool without Kevin De Bruyne, without Sergio Aguero, yet still beat the current champions 4-1. United could only dream of having that sort of depth. I Let's think move it was a little bit. Just on that, I think yeah, it was sorry. important to um, 
I know as how we sort of took the piss a little bit, we had a little bit of fun with this title talk about a month ago, but I think it was important too because we've been starved of that for the best part of a decade. No one truly believed we were going to win the title. I think everyone was just enjoying it for what it was and, yeah, having a little bit of laugh with it. But, yeah, I think a lot of people are coming in and saying, oh, you were saying you are going to win the league. I said, no, we weren't. Okay, you might have said that, but deep down, I don't think anyone truly thought that. I think it was just a case of enjoying it because it had been so long since we were in that position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's move further up the pitch. You could also say a fundamental, the other issue of United side of the game was we didn't really create any chances, and that comes from midfield. So Harry, uh, Gary Neville actually said that during the coverage, um, you, well, I don't like that Ollie's playing with two defensive or holding midfielders. And if I'm being honest, I, my personal opinion was I didn't think Fred and McTominay actually occupied two pivots uh, positions. I felt like both actually did quite get quite advanced. So I think it's just purely a lack of quality. And uh, so obviously you, we were in a Twitter feed with me where I said that I don't believe United can win a title with Scott McTominay as the first choice midfielder. Obviously a few people didn't agree with me, yourself included. And today is a pure example of why I say that. In saying it, now, with all of that said, I actually think Fred was the one who really frustrated me today. But do you think that United showed today what we're really missing with Paul Pogba being out? Yeah, well, as I say, if you compare McTominay and Fred, I think Fred was the issue today. And not a, not to label too much criticism of Fred, but in terms of sort of exposing both players' limitations, I thought um, it was really highlighted um, sort of Fred's inability to sort of I think just choose the correct pass, but in regards to um, yeah, miss, missing Paul Pogba, I think it's a hard one because so much of our judgment of Paul Pogba is off the field. Think okay, where's his head at? Does he want to be here? Does he want? To, does he not want to be here? Etc. And we think okay, we judge performances on that. Where it needs to be more simple than that. It needs to just be football. And yes, Paul Pogba can be inconsistent. But when you have a player of that quality on the pitch, and we dominated, I'm not, not sure what the possession stats were, but I'm sure we dominated possession. When you have that, we've got the creativity in the final third. Well, some would say that there's a lack of creativity, which I would, would agree with, but there's definite quality in the final third to go and score goals. But there is a very simple case of needing to get the ball to those players. And McTominay and Fred together don't quite work in that creative side of things. I think you definitely play one, but that is when that one needs to be a Paul Pogba, even an Emmanuel Matic for me or Van der Beek, but ultimately is going to be Paul Pogba when he is fit. And I think a lot of us think when Paul Pogba goes missing, not goes missing, but when Paul Pogba is out through injury or dropped, we think, okay, this is a positive, we're going to have this instead, we're going to have this to make up for Pogba's limitations in this area, but it'll always come back to the case of not being creative enough in midfield, and ultimately it did cost us today because Fred and McTominay do do a job in those big games, away at West Brom isn't a big game. Now, obviously, the points are huge. It's just as important as the City away or just as important as Liverpool away. But in regards to what a lot of us do think a big game is, West Brom isn't a big game. And ultimately, yeah, we weren't creative enough in midfield. And, yeah, I think that was probably the pivotal reason we didn't win the match. Do you agree that United, in order to actually challenge for a title, really need to get a genuine number six? And, and, and when I say a number six, not just someone who can protect the back four to an extent where you can push two midfielders forward, but one who can actually do that splitting through the defence, like a Michael Carrick was capable of, like a Paul Scholes was capable of. 
if you were to look at this current United midfield, is that the sort of player that it needs? Yeah, definitely. I know about anything to defensive thing. Well, obviously, the defensive side of midfield is is huge and very important. But you look at it in terms of the way the best teams now dominate the ball or or dominate the game. Sorry, you do need that player, whether it be Michael Carrick or Paul Scholes. But you do look at City now. Rodri plays in there, or Fernandinho plays in there. They're players who can get on the ball, play two touch, get the ball, play it forward, give it to their better players. Where you look at when Fred gets the ball, McTom- and not not so much McTominay, I think he's starting to become a little bit more expensive. But when Fred gets the ball, it's two, three, four, five touches, and then he plays the pass, and then that the option he has taken, he's closed down. So if he takes three, four, five touches and sprays the ball out to Rashford, well, suddenly Rashford has three or four players on him because the ball didn't get out to him quick enough. And I do look at those best players, and look, I I think it's weird. I think it's quite detrimental to the way Liverpool are playing because I think it has changed their system so much. But I still think Liverpool's best player is by far Thiago. But he's almost killed him because it's not their style. But I'd still love a Thiago in there in terms of the way he moves the ball. You look at the way Rodri has, I wouldn't say transformed City, but sort of kept them ticking over. They sort of struggled without him a little bit. And um, yeah, you, you definitely need that player in terms of the priority in getting him. I think United or Solskjaer still has a huge priority of getting a striker in, regardless of what happens with the Cavani situation. And there's no hiding from the fact how much we need a defender. So I look in midfield and think, well, is Solskjaer really going to sort of put pressure on the board to go and get a midfielder? Because we have numbers there. Obviously, we don't know the situation with Paul Pogba if he's going to leave or not. So while a number six is hugely important to me, I'm not sure the club will see it the same way because there are so many numbers in there with good players, but ultimately maybe not good enough. Oh, that's a concern, but one definitely that we will keep an eye on um, once this current season concludes. And, and then we look further forward, Tom. Um, Anthony Martial. I've, I've, my phone's been going off about this one. i got to be honest, I can't defend him anymore. Um, I, I can't tell you what's going wrong, but I, I just I look at the side and I'm getting frustrated because I can sit here and criticise Marcus Rashford and say he doesn't produce quality over the 90 minutes. But if I were to defend Marcus in that respect, it's to say he's being moved to the right-hand side when he's in form, when he's creating and scoring goals to accommodate an out-of-form player. And I think it's now at the point where, unfortunately for Martial, he's just not pulling up trees. And because of that, he almost just has to be dropped. I don't think it's right to pull Rashford out of position to accommodate someone who's already out of form. And then by in, and out of respect to that, it's now impacting both players' performances and as a whole, the team. Um, I don't know what's happened to Martial, mate. And yeah, just please give me your thoughts. And if you have a solution, pass them on to the Frenchman. Well, the solution isn't anything to do with Anthony Martial. The, the issue for me falls on Solskjaer. Solskjaer needs to drop him. It's not Martial's fault. He, he's not performing well. Obviously, it is a player needs to take responsibility. But... It should be taken out of his hands. I, I, I think the issue becomes Solskjaer selecting him. I'm not quite sure because I think Mason Greenwood has been in fantastic form and I think we'll get in the 3-2-1s and he was only on the pitch a bit, for a little bit. But he's a case for me and a match for me because every time he hits the ball, he looked dangerous. And I just don't... Under, and I know he's a young player and you can't throw him in every single week. I understand that. But I don't understand how he's not playing over Martial at the moment. And yes, Martial needs to do better. He needs to buck up his ideas and all of that 100%. But he needs to be dropped, and that falls on Solskjaer. And look, I'm obviously a huge fan of Solskjaer, but this, this is a big criticism I have of him. If players are out of form, they can't play. Okay, and I understand the idea and the theory of, well, 
they need confidence so the only way you're going to get that is play them so play them into good form but Martial needs more than that he's in horrible form he's not going to do that he's clearly not going to do that and I think when you see the difference in say Edison Cavani and Anthony Martial both play up front and they both have a bad game well Cavani's going to give you something okay he's not going to score a goal or have a sort of positive impact on creating chances but he'll give you something Martial won't give you anything and that's not a huge it is a criticism of him but that's not to throw shit at him it's just his game like he's only going to offer you something in that final third in that attacking sense where I look at the, again it's, it sounds pointless it sounds sort of clutching at straws but the work rate Cavani puts in um, it puts Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial to shame because Martial usually works quite hard but when he's sort of not confident he just doesn't have that springy step and desire I think he's a little bit sort of gun shy and look, you look at Marcus Rashford, look, he's putting up numbers and he's having a very good season in regards to that. But you do look at his work rate and look, it's a bit of a myth, Marcus Rashford's work rate. Like, he is extremely lazy and um, it's just unfortunate when you see Edison Cavani put that effort in up front. Even Bruno Fernandes, I thought Bruno Fernandes pressing again was shocking because sometimes he was pressing in front of Edison Cavani and leaving a huge gap in midfield. But there was, there was something there. He was not just standing there waiting for West Brom to play off in the back. He was trying to do something. And when you see Rashford, Martial, either side of Cavani just standing there doing nothing, you just think, OK, you can be out of form, but you need to put a bit of effort in. And that's what the main disappointment is for me, which I think Solskjaer needs to drop Martial. I'm glad you bring up that point about Rashford's work rate because I think it's just the way Martial's body language is that perceives him as more lazy. Mm. Um, but... and. But with Rashford, because he generally has... Maybe it's just his running style. Looks like he's exerting more effort. So perhaps... Oh, when, when Rashford's running at pace, it looks like he's running at pace. When Martial's Absolutely. running at pace, it looks almost like a gliding, like a graceful thing. Yeah, That's just, jogging. Yeah, just a body language. <laughs> it's just a body language thing and nothing sort of wrong or right about it. But, uh, and when Marcus Rashford puts that sort of five-metre sprint in to chase back, okay, the camera will pick that up and that looks good. But the work rate I look at is when Rashford, the ball's on the other side of the field and Rashford needs to make a 60-yard dash back to get, in, to get inside sort of Wan-Bissaka and help Wan-Bissaka out on the other side of the field. He's not putting that 60 yards in. He's just standing up front and that's exposing the likes of Wan-Bissaka or Luke Shaw on the left if he's on that side. So that's what I think when the camera picks up Rashford where the ball is, yes, it does look like he's working hard, but where proper hard work is sort of called for, he doesn't put it in. Yeah, and I think with in Rashford's case, you could and this if it is his mentality, it's wrong. But it could be a case of because he's playing on the right and things aren't going United's way, he almost feels well. I'm playing out of position. Why should I bust a lung already when I'm already compensating someone who's out of form? I'm not saying that is the case, but I'm saying it could just be something in the psyche. We'll we'll never know. I don't think um, it wouldn't be highlighted so much for me if there's just one of them in the team. I think you can always get away with. I wouldn't say a passenger or someone who cheats. But just someone in that mould, and again, not comparing them to Ronaldo at all, but Ronaldo had the licence to not defend, to not track back when he was at United. And I just think if we're attacking so much and we had that sort of front foot mentality and we're dominating games, you could get away with one of those players doing that. And then you'd have, let's say, one matter on one side or a Dan James on one side, up and down, up and down, up and down with Cavani. So you got that work rate in there and you just have that... You look at Salah at Liverpool. Mane and Firmino, 100 mile an hour the whole game. Salah doesn't do it. Salah works a little bit hard, but he's not that person to sort of bust his gut around the pitch. But they allow him that one player where we, we have both wings doing that. And ultimately, that's what I think sort of exposes our fullbacks at time and then ultimately exposes the back four. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. Well, I don't know what the solution is for Martial, Rashford and co. But if anyone can find out why Martial is in this horrible run of form, please pass on your feedback to him. Because I, as much as I love him, I'm actually getting to a point where I can't defend him anymore, unfortunately. All right, mate. Well, the part that we do enjoy is the three two ones. Um, I don't know how much we'll enjoy it breaking down this match, but please, I'll give you the honours. Um, you're, you're the one who braved the early morning wake-up. So, who was your man of the match? Look, I've written down three names, and I wouldn't know. I think there's a case for, look, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel here a little bit. I don't know which one I'll put in order, order whether they deserve three points or deserve one point. I'll just throw the three names to you and we'll start the bit of a discussion but the three names that spring to mind for me are well, Bruno for the goal um, so it was a great goal but also David De Gea and Mason Greenwood but I have no idea in what order um, I would go we might just slip them in because if I'm being honest with you outside those three players I actually couldn't think of any other candidates but if we look at it De Gea kept United in the game because that West Brom created opportunities and were all over our defence. And he made some really key saves. So I could make a case to say, the way we say a goal makes a difference, I think you have to say De Gea's kept us in this game more than we pr- probably deserved. So I'd go De Gea for three. Uh, the Bruno goal was excellent. Um, I'd give The only reason I'd give Mason the one point is simply because of how long he was on the pitch. But for that 30-minute period, he was excellent. Um, the Bruno goal's excellent, obviously. You, you don't see those goals every week. Um, so I, I'd go that way, mate. I, I'm thinking De Gea, Bruno, Mason. But um, if you want to put a case forward for a different structure or formatting, yeah, no, please. It's, it's hard to argue, especially, look, I think if, we, if you win the game, you're looking at that goal from Bruno Fernandes. If it's a 1-0 win, you're saying it's a match-winning goal, it's a match-winning performance, it's captain, it's leadership and all that. So um, it's a very sort of different look when it is a disappointing defeat. Or for a disappointing draw, but um, yeah, hard to argue. I, th- I think Mason Greenwood deserves a start, and whether Absolutely. that comes in, whether that comes in the Europa League, because over the past I don't know three, four, five appearances, I don't think he's grabbed a goal, but he's almost been the, I wouldn't say the best player on the pitch. But when he's been on, he's been our most almost dangerous attacker. I think he's been very good, and ultimately needs to be rewarded by. Um, being placed in the starting 11 now what does Solskjaer see as the more important game does he see the Sociedad game or the Newcastle game as more important I'm not sure but Greenwood has to start one of them and they're both hugely important to me so he needs to start starting games I agree Um, yeah it's a weird one I'd really like to see Mason deployed through the middle I know his physicality is not quite there yet but he's clearly a striker playing out wide so I would just like to see with the lethal left foot he has just an opportunity to play up front. Maybe in a game where we can play a high line, I, I accept that, you know, maybe being back to goal with his current frame isn't the best for him, but I just think he'd be excellent utilised there, and maybe midweek is the opportunity to do that. I think I'm a Diallo's one that has to come in. We've got Real Sociedad, and irrespective, it, it should be a rotated side in my opinion, but if you just look at what we lack on the right-hand side, today being another example of that, it does not hurt for me. United do not lose anything by putting this kid out there from the get-go and seeing what he can do. Yeah, well, it's you'd just rather bring this type of player in, like a Diallo or Palestri, if he was back here, or a young striker. You'd rather bring that player in to a team full of confidence and a team moving forward. And ultimately, we are moving forward compared to where we started the season and where Solskjaer sort of started his time at United. We have, we have been moving forward, but... 
there's no hiding from the fact over the past month, well, month yeah, probably, probably about a month now, we have stagnated a little bit and that confidence is draining on the team. And look, maybe that young player is the spark that sort of is needed and, and will provide that. But I don't. I think that's a big risk to say, okay, Diallo, come and change our season's fortunes and kick us on for the rest of the season. Oh, of course not. I'm just looking at it from an opportunity of United got nothing to lose. We lack balance on that right-hand side. So why not give him a chance? Because we know one matter is not going to be the solution there long-term. We know Dan James has his limitations. We know Mason Greenwood's not a winger. So what, what do we really have to lose? It's a two-legged game. No one really gives an ass about the Europa League. So I think if you're only going to Solskjaer, he'll be prioritising the league, no doubt about it. So if you're all things considered, there's no risk putting this kid out there for half an hour, for an hour sorry, and just seeing what he can do. And at worst, you drag him off because he's not adjusting. But it's a European game. He's played in the Champions League before. So it's not foreign territory. Well, you say, and look, I understand your point, but you say, oh, no one cares about the Europa League. Put yourself in Solskjaer's shoes now. I think we are caring about it because I think all of us have, what's the term, conceded the title to Manchester City. I don't think, I think the 10-point gap or potential 10-point gap will be far too much with only just over 10 games to go. What's there, 15 games to go, roughly. Less than that, I think. I look at it now and we, you do have to look behind you. Yes, it's all good to puff your chest out and say, oh, I'm not looking behind us. I'm looking at the top of the table. How can we close that gap? You're stupid if you're not looking behind it, the gap behind us. And while we are in second position... You put a bad month, you put a bad two or three games, and someone in seventh place puts a bad, two, a good two or three games in. You're going to find yourself from second to seventh or eighth in the space of two or three games. That is how close it is. So then I look at the Europa League and think, well, that's another avenue into top four. We're all sitting here saying, oh, we're in top four because we're in second place, second position. Forget the position. Look at the points and the amount of teams that are vying for those spots. I think the Europa League is. I understand there will have to be a priority placed by Solskjaer. But I look at the Europa League now, and it's hugely important for me because we don't know what position we'll be in in the league in two or three games' time. I take that point, but what, what I'm saying is, in the Diallo case specifically, he might be the reason we win 2 or 3-0, but he won't be the reason we lose 1 or 2-0. So that's why, from my perspective, I don't think there's too much risk there. You know what? One who's actually doing really well on loan, I've just been watching some highlights, um, and I know it's YouTube, so forgive me, but... Um, Ethan Laird looks like he's having a great time at the moment. So I would be keen to see what he can do next season if given the opportunity. I just imagine in those West Brom sort of matches where you do have that low block, maybe a fullback who can genuinely overlap, give you width, and really be a, an attacking threat might actually be a point of difference. I just think that right-hand side, you know, and I, I love Wan-Bissaka, but he has his limitations going forward. So when you take into account there's no natural right winger, and on top of that, the fullback behind that position isn't the most attacking-minded. It does hurt United. So, one to keep an eye on there. Um, do you expect a lot of rotation? You know what? The, the one that I think is obvious, I think Dean Henderson comes in, and I dare say if he has a massive match, he could potentially put in his name in the conversation of starting the Premier League against Newcastle. Oh, look, I think that's, look, look, that, that could be the case. But we just sat here two minutes ago and gave David De Gea a man of the match. I, I, I understand the criticisms of De Gea at the moment, but he hasn't done anything to warrant being dropped from the the Premier League team. I look at the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, Allison from Liverpool. <laughs> he, he's he's going to be playing. De Gea is nowhere near performing at that level in terms of a, a, a bad level. I, I don't see how I he agree, can drop but David De Gea. Ca- would you agree? Look, I agree with you, mate. And I, I take your point on today's performance, but... 
the best of David De Gea this season isn't the best of David De Gea three or four seasons ago. It's better than the best of Dean Henderson, though. But but do we actually know that? Because if you are, if you ask me, Dean Henderson's not as good as a shot stopper as David De Gea, but I dare say he's all round game might actually benefit United better if if Lindelof is going to continue to be the solution, quote unquote, in our defense. Maybe Henderson will come out of his box. We know De Gea doesn't do that. Maybe that small point of difference might actually benefit our defense a little bit better. What do you think sort of proves more beneficial? Is it Dean Henderson and the attributes he brings or Eric Bailly and the attributes he brings? What, what do you think has a bigger impact? Well, of course it's Bailly, but you can't rely on Bailly. Like, that's yeah. the, I don't even know if he's fit. He, apparently he's on the bench. I didn't look at the team lineup before the game, but I saw his name just then. Uh, you, we, we see people's name on the, on the bench, but he could be on the bench with, with uh, crutches. I, I, have not, I haven't got a clue. And, and that's the problem. Like, I just... Oh. Yeah. I love Bay, but he's just so unreliable. I, I look, I don't know what the solution is, but when you can keep conceding the goals the way we are, something's got to change. So, and I, I don't think De Gea, while he's an unbelievable shot stopper, his all round goal keeping comes under light because if you look at the best in the world, I, I take on point. Allison's been shocking the last few games, but at his best, he's a he's a class above De Gea. That's the reality of it. Yeah, no, look, uh, look, we've had the Henderson and De Gea debate countless times, and I'm sure we will continue to do so in the future. But I just look at it, and we're, we're looking for solutions all over the pitch. We're looking, OK, what centre-back do we need to improve on there? What front three w- would work better? We're looking for quick fixes, not quick fixes, but fixes in every single position. I just can't accept that goalkeeper is that priority at the moment. De Gea, while has sort of performed subpar at times, is still our best goalkeeper. You play your best goalkeeper. Yeah, point granted, but yeah, look, I guess it's one to keep an eye on. If it was up to me, honestly, I, I'd think United, maybe not next season, but they'll need to start thinking about a new goalkeeper. In, oh, it's in a definite question. Years. It's a definite question, 100%. All right, well, I guess we'll leave it there, mate. Um, pleasure, as always, for joining me. A nice early one today. It's nice um, having a day off on a Monday. I've got to say, I quite enjoy this. Could get used to it. But nonetheless, no, thanks for... I wouldn't hey? define this as a nice chat. It's always good chatting to you, but I prefer it under better circumstances, if I'm being honest. Oh, that's all right. I think we'll turn on pro clubs tonight. We'll get back to winning ways, and that'll help us forget about this match. No, fingers crossed. <laughs> Pleasure for listening, as always. If you are on your app, make sure you give us a like, leave a review, and, and subscribe so you can stay in tune with the latest episodes as they come about. Tom, pleasure as always, mate, and wishing you a good start to the week, um, or a better start than what it's been so far. And uh, I guess we'll chat Friday following the Europa League match. You too. Have a good one. All right, cheers.